No possible move. Ed Povey must discard a card. Without a card. <laughs> <laughs> Take Yay. a screenshot. Wait, I'm taking a screenshot. <laughs> Going backwards. <laughs> Not even moving at all. That's so sad. Welcome to Which Game First, where we boldly explore the hilariously huge world of board games. Did we unearth any hidden treasures you've been missing out on? Let's find out. First up, we try to be the best at slicing, wrapping, and dipping in wasabi in Sushi Go. Next, we one-up our neighbors by rolling up impressive wonders in Nations the Dice Game. And lastly, we go round and round and all the way back and round again in talk. <laughs> I'm your host, Celestia Angelis. Now let's meet the rest of our brave and intrepid game explorers. Hello, I'm Evan Bernstein, and I'll choose the red meeple. I'm Ed Povolitis, and I'll choose the red dye. I'm Mike Rainier, and I'm blue double dee da 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 Hey, everybody, it's brand new live game night from Which Game First? Woohoo! Now, exclusively during lockdown, we'll be streaming our game sessions live. Thursday nights at 6.30 p.m. Eastern U.S. time, we will turn on our feed and you will watch and laugh as we fumble our way through games we've never played before. <laughs> oh, yes. To watch, just tune into our Twitch channel at Which Game First. And that gives you a brand new reason to rate us, review us, leave us a Facebook post, tweet us, Insta, retweet, articles. Uh, mention us on somebody else's wall. I don't know what's out there for social media. Get dicey as a tattoo. Get dicey as a tattoo. <laughs> hey, I like that idea. 6.30 Thursday night. See you there. Literally see you. Hey, everyone. We've got some great upcoming games to tell you about from this week's sponsor, Smirk and Dagger and Smirk and Laughter Games. I know we talked a little bit about the app version of Cutthroat Caverns last week, but this game is getting a lot of attention right now. This game won the Dice Tower's most original game of the year when it came out in 2007, and now the app version of the board game was just announced as a nominee for the Origins Award for Best Digital Game of the Year. You can get this app and play it right now, my friends. This app is a solo game versus three unique AI opponents. AIs that were programmed to mimic the various playstyles seen around the table for the past 13 years. Mm, so, cool. so that troll that you've seen at the table that wants to hurt you, he's programmed right in. <laughs> uh, depending on which of the three of the six AIs you face, your interactions will change. It simulates as close as possible the emotionally driven play of facing live opponents who show their outrage when betrayed and remember who did them wrong. This game also features the new Art of the Anniversary Edition and scale difficulty depending on which mode you use. You can change the length of the game by setting how many encounters you want to face. And if you thought the original card game wasn't deadly enough back in its day, try the app on hard mode. <laughs> so while we're all stuck in our homes, there's no better time than right now to try this infamous adventure game. This board game turned app that you can play right now is available on iOS and Google Play. Smirk and Dagger also is working on a Shobu app right now. Yes! Woo! Cool! And I'm sure it is fast-tracking it, so stay tuned on that. It's coming soon. 
you can look at all the great Smirk and Dagger and Smirk and Laughter board games and order them right now delivered to your front door at SmirkandDagger.com. Do it. Our first game up this week is Sushi Go, designed by Phil Walker Harding. Published by GameRight in 2014. Number of players 2 to 5, ages 8 and up. Playtime, 15 minutes. Okay, Mikey, tell us what's in the box. Sushi Go comes in a sweet aluminum box with the cast of characters depicted in a segmented sushi container on the front. Inside, you're going to find 108 super cute cards that almost look joyful about their imminent demise. Aww. <laughs> They're smiling and laughing. Some examples are the grinning tempura and pudding with a friendly little smile. <laughs> and lastly, there's a very small and easy to navigate rule book. And that's what's in the box. Before we see just how yummy this game is, Evan, tell us how it's played. In Sushi Go, you are eating at a sushi restaurant and trying to grab the best combination of sushi dishes as they whiz by. Each turn, you'll weigh which cards to keep and which to pass on. Each round, different scoring combinations allow for some clever plays and nasty blocks. Will you collect the most sushi rolls and make a full set of sashimi? Or will you dip your favorite nigiri in wasabi to triple its value? What? Yeah, keep your eye on the pudding cards, as you'll want to have the most by the end of the game. Something I didn't do. But be careful which sushi you allow your friends to take. It might be just what they needed to beat you. The game ends after three rounds of drafting, and the player who ate the best set of sushi wins. Yum. <laughs> I am getting hungry just talking about this game. Yeah, but they're so cute. I mean, how do you eat things with such cute faces on them? <laughs> They want to be eaten. It's true. They personified these things, and that just makes it a little more difficult. You know, <laughs> I had no problem eating them. <laughs> <laughs> nom, 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 nom. So we're still in Corona quarantine, and we played this game online. What interface did we use, guys? We used Board Game Arena. BoardGameArena.com, which has a lot of great board games on it. And I like the interface. Uh, how did you guys like play online? I think it went really well. I mean, you didn't have to shuffle the cards and it handed it out to people and it did all the drafting in the right direction for you. Yeah, not bad. And you just have to move your mouse over the card and it'll tell you the instructions on exactly how to play that card, how to make use of that card. So that was really easy. This interface is great, though. Like, I didn't have to keep track of any of that stuff. I just got a set of cards in front of me to pick from, picked one, and then clicked, end of my turn. That was it. Whatever happened, happened. Everything was set up for you. Uh, I knew exactly what I had to choose from. I knew exactly how many cards I could pull. These are the benefits of having a rules-based interface. Mm -hmm. So we've, we do play on board game sites that don't have a rules-based interface, and I think we'll talk about that. But this mm -hmm. one locks in the rules for you, and it was really helpful in a quick game like this. Another nice feature is that the cards are always facing you. So unlike if you're playing on a table where somebody might be putting their cards either sideways or upside down to you. Here, they're all facing your direction. You can see what they have. Yep, and the board's always close and everything's in reach. And I can't show everybody my cards that everybody complains about at the table. <laughs> Celeste, stop showing your cards. Yeah, there is that, yeah. Yeah, she holds her hand straight out. I'm <laughs> Not straight out. 
I mean, <laughs> <laughs> you don't need a spy camera to see that what your hand is. Let's put it that way. Let's just say the things that usually distract you at the table are not a factor when playing online. Yeah. Well, <laughs> it's the, the difference here is that Celeste still walks away from the table. We just don't know when she's walked away from the table. <laughs> yeah. That did happen once or twice, I think. Celeste, your turn. Uh, Celeste? Uh, is she there? Hello? Anyone? Send her a text. <laughs> it brings up a good point. I'm still getting used to online etiquette. You know, it's like I'm used to dropping my headphones and walking away from things. That's right. Yep. You have to excuse yourself from the game table is what's supposed to happen. This game moved at a great pace. It did. And it's a drafting game. And the advantage, if you are looking to get an advantage in this game, is knowing the number of cards that are out there that are possible and doing a bit of card counting because you got to know what's been played and kind of what is passed you by. And that can help you a little bit in your strategy. Oh, yeah. So many times I saw Tempura go by, and I'm like, I'm not taking Tempura. Oh, there it is again. I'm not, I'm not going to do it now. Now it's too late. Oh, my God, there it is again. <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. Everybody was thinking the same way you were. Change it again. I'm changing it again. Okay. Change as many times as you want. You're going to regret, though, because you changed it. You'll regret the one you didn't pick. Oh, I definitely will regret. I, I have no <laughs> doubt I have regrets because I don't even know how these cards go down. Yeah, I don't, I don't either. It's Murphy's Law, Celeste. You know as soon as you take that one tempura, because you can only score when you take a second tempura, you will never get another tempura. Right, because you start collecting that, they're going to go, oh, wait a minute. She's collecting that stuff. I can't give her any more tempura. She's going to get points. But if you only had one and I don't give her the second one, ha ha. Yep, and then it becomes useless to everyone. Well, I'd rather it be useless than be worth 10 points like the uh, sashimi. Sashimi, yeah. Oh, that's right. Oh, you got that one, Celeste, didn't you? I did. I did. I, w- I won our online game. I'm actually scheduled to play it again on Monday night. I, I had so much fun. <laughs> scheduled. I love it. I-, I loved the chopsticks card because once you get chopsticks, you get to yell, sushi go. And that allowed you to draw two cards instead of one. But you don't draw them till the next turn, so you're kind of taking your chances as what comes up the next turn is part of your strategy. Yeah, but who cares? It's two cards. <laughs> but you're losing one card because the chopsticks aren't worth anything. So I have a question about the chopsticks and this particular mechanic. Mm-hmm. When you're playing online the way we did at Board Game Arena, there was no yelling out of Sushi Go. Well, it wasn't a we requirement. Did, but when but it wasn't a requirement. Well, we did, right, but it wasn't a requirement. But when you're at the table, is it a requirement? And if you don't yell it, do you not get the opportunity to use the chopsticks? Well, I, I think it's like proper etiquette. You know, you're supposed to say Sushi Go <laughs> to explain why you're picking a card off the table, putting it back in your hand, and taking two cards from your hand instead of one. Uh, okay. But I know in a game like Uno, if you don't say Uno, you get penalized two extra right. cards. So I didn't know if there was some component in the uh, actual analog version of this game that it gets bypassed because of the fact we're playing online. If you don't yell out Sushi Go, what's the point? They even have an exclamation <laughs> point on the box. <laughs> I mean, yeah. And the last thing you want to have happen is someone pass you the chopsticks on your last turn when there's no more sushi to grab and it's kind of a waste of a turn. Thank you, Mike. I felt justified after you did it to me first. Yeah, but uh, I didn't. Okay. Uh huh. (laughs) That's the interesting thing about the chopsticks is they kind of lose some of their potency the later on you use them. So if somebody doesn't take the chopsticks early on, it gets passed around. Eh, It's not as good. I ended up with the freaking chopsticks at the end. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I think it happened somewhat often, but it's uh, it's a useful card 
when you don't see any other cards that you really want, you can just take the shop deck and then take two cards from the next hand. And so maybe you know, you're, you're hoping that your next hand can be better than the one you're looking at. If you get into your second to last hand, it doesn't have any value because then you won't get two cards to pick from the next turn. Right. You won't have the choice. You're, you're forced. If you are lucky enough to get your hands on the physical box of this game, it comes in a really cool tin. It's a bento box for your sushi. Yep. The little segments with all the smiling sushi in each little spot. I love it. Yeah. So this is a drafting game. So when you're paying attention to what other people are taking, if you're really astute, you can kind of figure out what other people are doing a little bit. Yeah. And if you keep count of the cards, because it does announce how many cards, like there's 14 tempura cards, 14 sashimi, but only four chopsticks. So you know what you're less likely to see and more likely to see. And you can kind of see what they're collecting because it's not like it's a hitting pile of cards. The cards they took that round are revealed. So is it better to hate draft or get points for yourself? <laughs> see, that's what's good about this game. There's just enough strategy to make it interesting. It doesn't overwhelm you. It does, you know, no analysis paralysis with this game. And then there's a whole other side strategy with the pudding. Oh, my God. Oh, that's crazy stuff now. Tell us about that wild pudding. <laughs> okay, so you know my aversion to food-based games, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah, usually I don't like to play them because they make me hungry. But <laughs> this one didn't have that effect. Sushi isn't something that I get voraciously hungry over. I do like it, but it's not like, oh my God, I have to eat it right now. But they do have pudding, and that did push me a little bit. <laughs> I did actually eat pudding while we were playing. <laughs> because of that and i oh, had wow. to take the pudding so actually i i may have won the game because i was scooping up the pudding oh you totally did that yeah. pushed you over the edge and it brought mikey down yep it did because it's minuses for not having enough pudding on your plate yep <laughs> i didn't realize they accumulated throughout the game though it, it just for some reason it was very clear that they did i just wasn't paying attention i guess no, and at the end, it really hurt. The digital interface had this cute little pastry display box that your puddings <laughs> went in mm -hmm. at the end of each turn, and they kept them there, the little display box. That little smiling pudding face. Because the way they work, at the end of the whole game, after three full rounds of drafting, whoever has the most pudding gets six points, and whoever has the least pudding Minus six points. Minus points, Mike. So, yeah, painful. And it hurt. <laughs> it did. Uh, it did. I think that also you got to keep in mind that there's more cards than you're going to use in each round. So that the puddings come out of the decks. So if you don't grab them in earlier rounds, you might not see them ever again. Okay, explorers. It's time to dig up or bury Sushi Go. Ed? It's a very light drafting game. It's super easy to teach and learn and offers just enough variety to want to play again. Dig her up. Mike? I could pull this game out and teach it to literally anyone in minutes. It's cute. It's fun. Not at all intimidating. Dig it up. Evan? The theme made me hungry, so it worked. <laughs> and when it comes right down to it, it's about counting the cards and making your best guess as to what might be coming your way with each draft. Easy peasy. Dig it up. This game translates great to online play. It makes learning the game even easier. It is colorful, exciting, and quick. Dig it up. Evan, where can you find this game? You can find copies at game stores and online. Retails for about 20 bucks, maybe a little less. And obviously, you can also play it at Board Game Arena. 
If you have thoughts about Sushi Go, let us know. We are at Which Came First on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. We would love to hear how your sushi game goes. Our next game up this week is Nations the Dice Game, designed by Rustin Hawkinson, published by Lautapellet.fi and Stronghold Games in 2017. Number of players 1 to 4, ages 14 and up. Playtime 10 to 15 minutes per player. Okay, Mikey, tell us what's in the box. All right, when you see Tesla, King Tut, and the Statue of Liberty on the cover, (laughs) you know you're going to be taking a journey through time. Inside, they've got 44 production dice. 20 of them are basic, and then there's food dice and book dice and military dice that you earn along the way. There's eight wooden player markers. 12 event tiles that show the effects of war and famine for each age, 60 progress tiles, that's kind of your buildings, military advisors, etc. And there's little chits for reroll and adding extra money to your turn. There's also the rules, player aids, which is nice and handy, and a simple tile organizing board, and even some special bits that allow you to play the solo version. And that's... What's in the box? Before we find out if this journey through time is worth the effort, Evan, tell us how it's played. In Nations, the dice game, the players take the role of great nations that must provide food for the population, build a productive economy, and amaze the world with their achievements to build up their heritage as the greatest nation. (laughs) The game is played over four rounds, in which players take turns until all have passed. On your turn, you may buy a tile, build a wonder, Reroll some or all of your dice, or pass. At the end of each round, players will earn victory points for how well they planned for war and famine, and for how much knowledge they accumulated. At the end of the game, the nation with the most victory points is declared the greatest nation in the history of mankind. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> we played this game online in a completely different interface than Sushi yes. Go. <laughs> Oh, yes. Evan loved this one. (laughs) This one was special. Okay, what's Uh, the name of it? Tabletopia. Did it feel like a utopia for the table? Mm, Yes. (laughs) Well, for me, it did. Okay, so unlike Board Game Arena, which we've talked about previously, which contains a lot of automation involved in the game, which can be certainly very, very helpful, what you have in Tabletopia, or at least the settings we played on, It's just the components set up on a virtual table, and you're responsible for basically moving it around. It's almost like being at an actual physical table and having the components there. That's it. (laughs) It's not doing any of the moves for you or anything. In fact, so much so that you can start grabbing other people's components and (laughs) dice and cards and start, you know, really messing up their world if you wanted to. (laughs) But the point is... It's just it's just the virtual components of the game, and that's it. You get to do all the moving and rolling and everything yourself. Evan was in heaven. Oh, it it felt that was as close online <laughs> as I've ever been to an analog table. Really, it was a great experience. Not only are you allowed to move everything, you have to. It won't do anything unless you move it. And it won't do anything correctly unless you do it correctly. (laughs) Yeah, you're given a virtual hand. Yeah. And it's literally shaped like a hand. 
to me, that was the biggest difference is that you have a hand on the screen, but you can't use it to slap Evan's hand away from your dice. <laughs> I was just proving a point. That's all, Mike. I didn't, I didn't actually re-roll your dice or throw your cards off the table, which it could have done, but I didn't. <laughs> it certainly allowed for Evan and I to goof off and mess around with the board while Ed uh. was trying to explain the rules. Uh, don't take it from the floor tile. I didn't. I'm just lifting to test. Relax, nerd. Mm. <laughs> oh, it looks like oh, we took the whole stack. Yeah, it looks like it. It sure does, Ed. Um, <laughs> stack thief. But here's another beautiful thing about Tabletopia. Please let me express this. You, it, it, it has this XYZ axis view of the table in which you can really mm-hmm. rotate it in just about any perspective that you want. You can be in your seat. Okay, looking at yours and then 90 degrees uh, perpendicular is are two other positions. You can turn the board so you can see it all from the perspective of the other players. You can zoom in, zoom out, tilt the board, go, get a perfect overhead bird's eye shot of it. That's yeah. very different than board game arena where your view is basically static. Yeah, you're locked into a particular format and mm-hmm. view and that's it. No choice. Uh, yeah, I liked that the flat overhead look of it could go full 2D. So if you don't like that, you know, interface that looks more 3D, sort of an animated version of a table, you can just flip it up and decide I'm going full 2D. Just want to, just, just the facts, please. One thing that I noticed that kind of bothered me was that the card stacks didn't have any height to them. So, you know, it didn't have enough height to represent how many cards were in that stack. Fair enough. Yeah. So we kind of lost track of how many were supposed to be in that stack. I, when you hover over it, you can see the number, but it does mm-hmm. look thicker when it's a deck. I noticed. A little Especially bit. if you have a little bit of an angle to your view. If you're looking up from a higher above le- angle, it's harder to see that depth. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the bird's eye view is a little tougher to yeah. appreciate that. It was also occasionally difficult to grab uh, certain things. So you have to be really good at touching things just the right way to pick them up and move them properly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think there's a bit of a learning curve with it. I mean, this was our very first time using the interface. And it's a it's a fairly complex game with a lot of moving parts to be the first one to try out on this interface. So I loved that each wonder that you could build in, in Nations, you could pop it out on the screen to take a look at it. Mm-hmm. They're represented by cards. And these digital cards, you can click on them to get a nice big view of the card and read the whole thing. And they did have some snap two points too. Like if you're trying to put a tile on a square, you could kind of get it to a spot where it would click into the exact right spot it should go into. But generally you could just lay stuff all over the place and off right. center and stuff, which I know Evan loves to do. <laughs> <laughs> and and I think the game itself is interesting where you start off with five basic dice that are very random because all the sides are different and you're just trying to get resources you need to build yep. new stuff. But mm-hmm. as you build stuff, you're getting more and more specific about what you're getting. Yes, you gain new dice, which are more specific toward the direction you're going in. So red dice were more combative. Yellow dice were more money. Blue dice was, I don't know, the nerd dice. Books. It had books. Yeah, yeah. Nerd. the nerd <laughs> dice had books on it. Who wants these silly books? Ed was going for the red dice, which kind of annoyed me because that's my jam. Yeah. Well, I wanted to get him because I knew that was going to be a jam, and I didn't, didn't want to be left behind the curve. Yeah. Actually, the yellow dice were cash money dice, which is the dice yeah. I was going for. 
I was fighting among the red dice mostly and the blue dice. I didn't care. I liked upgrading the dice. Get mm-hmm. get it, get your starter dice out and get mm-hmm. them upgraded as quickly as you can to some of these cool colored dice, which can sometimes double or more your 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 potential rolling ability here. Some of them gave you more dice, not just upgraded dice, but simply more. Celeste said by the second turn, Ed, how did you get nine dice? (laughs) And he didn't use any of them. (laughs) He saved them all for the end of the round to do like to beat famine and war. So that's a thing, right? You you can use your dice to help you build and collect cards and build things up. Or you can save them to basically count them as victory at the end. I don't know how Ed was able to keep like six dice. Like he didn't go any less times than I did, but he had all his dice at the end and mine were completely used up. Well, one of the things that's featured on these cards is that like when you take a tile, some of them give you a resource chit at the end of the turn or also when you purchase them or build them. So like every turn, you're going to get chits that you can spend as if they were dice faces. Right. I thought that was pretty powerful. And Celeste had a whole bunch of these. Uh, yeah. resource token and they're consistent when you get a sword disc or a token you have that token every turn for the rest of the game mm-hmm. you don't have to hope you roll it you have it yeah that's it it kind of locks advantage. you into your strategy yeah big advantage though but you can depend on it so it's an interesting strategy like do i get more dice or do i get this dependable resource I'm distracted by the dice, so I was more concentrated on dice because, hey, dice are great. I got more <laughs> dice, too, but I was starting to get a little jelly of Celeste where she had, like, five <laughs> tokens. I was like, wow, you know you're getting every turn. You don't have to hope for luck. <laughs> I mean, I don't love depending on luck in most games because I'm a terrible dice roller. I know that science tells me there's no such thing, but I'm a terrible <laughs> dice roller. And so I was building wonders that were also giving me chits and I was getting victory points, even though they're a little more expensive to build than other stuff. I was getting victory points and getting resource chits as we went on. First, you have to use gold to buy the wonder so you can start building it and then have stone to actually complete the wonder itself. I'm still on the fence whether diversification is the way to go or just load up on one type of die or one type of resource. To me, it was kind of hard to decide between those two because I didn't know what was in those stacks of cards that you could potentially buy. And they were very random, especially because on the top row, whatever cards happened to come out in the top row were triple the amount of gold to buy than the ones Mm. in the first row. Yeah. And they're not better cards. It's just randomly placed on the triple line. Which uh, lends to replayability because your mix is going to be different every game. So there's only four ages in the game. So it just feels like just when you're starting to get to the, the cool <laughs> stuff and your engineering building rate, the game ends. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just like any good Euro game, it makes you almost <laughs> feel like you've accomplished something and it cuts you <laughs> off at the knees. <laughs> yeah, my engine is really streamlining yeah. now, and oh, we're counting victory points. Hey. But but one more turn, one more turn. Yeah. Something epic was about to happen. <laughs> uh, that's that's what I liked best about the game. <laughs> and I have to say, playing it online, I didn't get to see the box cover first, and I'm glad of that because I do not yeah. like this box cover. It looks like it's from 1975. Yeah, it it is. I love it. I love it. Retroish. Um, We're looking at a 2017 version of this game. I know, but but the art yeah lends itself to an older time period. And on the box cover, it's put inside a brown faux wood frame, right? So it's not <laughs> wood; it's just you know it's graphic design of a frame on the box, which is a really old fashioned way of 
of putting together any kind of cover. Oh, let me put a border on it. <laughs> well, this game is based on a slightly older, although not the 1990s older, but it, there's a game called Nation, which right. is a regular board game that uses this style of graphic. So we're copying that, but putting it in a slightly different format. Okay, explorers, it's time to dig up or bury nations. Mike? I think it's a great game to ease people into the concepts of engine building and resource management. So dig it up. Ed? It's a light engine building game that may be just a little bit too random and short for my personal taste, but I think it's still fun enough to dig as a short strategy game. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Ed. That was an edge of the seat. Ed almost buried a resource management game. <laughs> I, I, I was, yeah. Well, it's it, because I like it a little deeper. It's like, yeah, it, it's just like wetting my taste. I want more. Evan? Dice, dice, and more dice. Swapping out starter dice for more powerful dice, getting to re-roll your dice. If you like dice, you like this game. <laughs> I like dice. I'm digging it up. <laughs> It was just the right leg for me and so fun to do the shopping in this game. It was a real decision maker, but it didn't make me want to pull my hair out. Dig it up. <laughs> yeah. Evan, where can you find this game? Well, obviously at Tabletopia, you can play it there. But I think you should also go grab a copy at one of your game stores, either online or when they open again, go to the brick and mortars. Cost you anywhere from 30 to 50 bucks. Well worth it. If you have thoughts about nations, let us know. We are at Which Game First on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. We'd love to hear from you. Our last game up this week is Talk. Number of players two to four, ages six and up. Playtime 45 minutes. Okay, Mike, tell us what's in the box. Well, we played the simplest version imaginable uh, online. But I did some searching around just to see what this game was all about. And there are tons of different ways this game's been presented in the real world. Uh, one of them was a wooden box used to store the pieces inside. It was about 150 bucks. Oh, whoa. $150? Yeah, I know. It's crazy. Well, this is like a sweet wooden box. And the outside is actually what serves as the board. Mm-hmm. Jeez. Who built it? Bob Vila? I mean, what the- <laughs> yeah. $150. Well, kind of like chess set. I see. It's like that. Like, there's tons of people who make different versions of it, but they all pretty much end up being the same in that they all look eerily familiar to the board for Sorry or other Ludo-style games. Mm -hmm. Generally, it's like a plus symbol that you have dots around the outside to go around. The other components are just four sets of player pawns and a deck of standard playing cards. And usually they have some kind of chart describing what each card does. And that's basically what's in the box. Before we find out if we were sorry to have played this game, Evan, tell us how it's played. Oh, clever, Celeste. Very clever. (laughs) Well, in talk, players race their four tokens around the game board from start to finish. Players are dealt a hand of five or four cards from a standard deck of cards. Each turn, players will play a card from their hand to move their token according to its value or special ability. The first player to get all four of their tokens home wins. (sighs) (laughs) Mike. Remember how we said Evan was finally happy to be playing online (laughs) when we moved to the interface of 
Tabletopia. Well, here we are back at Board Game Arena playing this game. And Evan was in a much better mood since he picked it. (laughs) (laughs) I went to Board Game Arena and I said, all right. They have a section called Classic because they don't let you look up a game by the year. I wanted to go and find a bunch of 1920 games that have been modified (laughs) for Board Game Arena. But they're not there, but they do have a section called Classic. Okay. And it consists of, I don't know, like 18 games. It's hardly anything to choose from. So I'm looking. Okay, chess, checkers. Oh, talk. What's this? (laughs) It looks colorful and interesting. Let's play this game. It's Ludo? Okay, fine. Let's just do it. And then (laughs) basically we... We, we we start delving into it. It's like, oh, this is sorry. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> but all right, let's play it. But what about the cards? The cards are a deck of, of actual playing cards, you mm-hmm. know? Yes, yeah, standard 52-card deck. Yeah. A- and you get a hand of them, which is unlike Story, or at least the classic version of Story. The new version of Story also has the option of having a hand. But I think they took that from this game in a way. Yeah, Agreed. definitely. They definitely, I mean, this is an older game. Really old. Yeah, it is. Like Mikey said, there's so many different varieties of boards for this game because it's an easy game to design and make. But some of them are absolutely gorgeous and they come in different styles around paths and everything like that. However, playing online with this one (laughs) in Board Game Arena, which sets the rules for you, that was a huge help because one of the things, one of the troubles I have with Ludo games is their rules can be arcane. It's about going forward and going back, but the jumping and the placement. Landing on other players. And and when you can go and how you could go and when you could get a, a chip off of the start. Oh, can I use the jack when my guy is in the home field or does it have to actually be on the circle? So this one sets the rules for you. That was a huge help. It doesn't set all the rules for you. <laughs> Sometimes when you click on a card or a piece, it doesn't tell you all the options of where that piece can move to, which was pretty annoying. But uh, I just want to make sure people know how much I hate Ludo games for this one simple fact. That you could spend round after round sitting there not being able to get your piece onto the board. Yeah, that <laughs> that, that can happen. It has the very annoying rule of wait to play. And that yeah. is a very annoying rule. And I have to say, I'm going to say this. Uh, I might deny it later, but uh, my very favorite game of all time, which we have reviewed, Cosmic Wimp Out, does have that problem. Set a house rule that you just start, Mm -hmm. right? Or get it. Everybody starts on a start and that solves the You're allowed one out. Yeah, maybe have one piece on the board, right? Right. You can turn any one of your starting maybe five cards into an automatic out card. That's it. That solves the problem. Then you then you play the rules, however it is from there. But at least you're not totally waiting eight <laughs> rounds until you get the first card you need to get your first piece onto the board. Yeah, I mean, it's pretty easy to do in this game. You can just say, like, well, we're going to deal each player one ace and then go randomly from there. Because the ace is a starter card. Yeah. Part of the problem here is, like, in other games, each turn you, like, roll to see if you get on the board. This one here, you have a hand of five cards, and you can already see the future of you not being able to get on the board for the entire round until you get a new hand. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Dismal. It's like, oh, I got five bad rolls in a row, and I know they're coming, and I know I'm going to be doing nothing <laughs> in my turn for the next five turns. Well, you you should, you prefer getting that pain and slow drip and drop? Yes, because at least every every turn, I think there might be a chance I can get on the board. Rather than just saying, I'll be back, I'm going to get a sandwich, call me when my hand is wiped out. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, but you <laughs> laughed my- your patootie off when Ed, when Ed had three or four turns in a row. There were two hands. Where he couldn't get Before out. he even started with movement. No, he had three rounds in a row, not turns. <laughs> well, three hands, yeah. Yeah, hands. hands That's a round. No, there are two hands, which was basically uh, ten cards. Yeah, Ed went through his first ten cards without being able to do anything. <laughs> well, not quite true. I was still able to play tens to force other people to skip their turn. <laughs> oh, there you go. <laughs> yes. And discard a card, lose a turn. Oh, that's right. Yeah, this this game has backstab components to it that I never really realized <laughs> yeah. that when I was playing Sorry, as like a, whatever, a six-year-old boy or whatever with my with my siblings... We're playing Sorry. I didn't realize that was probably the first backstab game I ever played. <laughs> yep. mm-hmm. Yeah, remember we know that Ludo means feel the pain in other languages. Oh, no. Oh, you just, <laughs> ju- you just jumped Mike in the alley. Uh, no, I sent him home. Sent yeah. me home. That Sorry. Sucks. Stupid. <laughs> that is brutal. I mean, I mean, I mean talk. <laughs> frustration. Yeah, one of them is called frustration. Right, frustration. <laughs> Aggravation. Yep. Yeah, aggravation, the name of one of them, yep. Having cards with special abilities is a nice welcome twist. It gives you a lot more... Strategy. Yeah, strategy. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that's hilarious about that is that some of the cards <laughs> are detrimental to you. Yes. Either by when you play them or what they are by nature. Yes, I really enjoyed the flexibility of these cards. It was so exciting. <laughs> it was so exciting to see what I could do. And... And the be- the advantage on Board Game Arena is you are told what each card can do as soon as it pops up. If you were playing IRL, you'd have to have a reference card Yes, absolutely. to see what the jacks and the queens and the kings do. But this is great. Although I think people played this enough where they know, you know what each card does without having to look it up on the chart. For me, the big strategy change here is and like, unlike in story where you just flip over the top card and just do whatever it said, you have a hand of cards and you get to choose what order you're going to play those in. And that is where strategy comes into play. Where before, if you're just flipping over a card and doing whatever it said, it is random. Kind of along for the ride. Yeah. Yeah. Basically, that's it. Evan was in heaven deciding who to send back home. He was like, oh, my God, so many ways to prolong the game. Oh, (laughs) yes. Backwards movement galore in this game. So sorry, Mike. (laughs) Sometimes the backward movement is helpful. Like, I got a four card, and I was able to go backward right onto my starting row almost. That's right. So instead of having to go around the entire board, Ed, you came out onto the starting marker, went backwards four, one, two, three, four, and there was your home column. Mm Mm-hmm. Ready to take it, and you did. So mm-hmm. that was it. Like two cards, and you were home with that piece. Yep. And the opposite happened to me is where I got a jack, which, you know, sometimes jacks are great because you switch places with somebody with the jack. But mm-hmm. I was forced to use it because it was the last card in my hand, and the only movement it gave me was a backwards movement. Yep. That'll happen too. But the jacks, <laughs> I think, are really cool. You swap with another player on the board. It can be so mean. Yeah. I, I felt bad. I almost had to do it to Celeste twice in a row, so I chose not to do it to Celeste twice in a row. I was like, ah. Smart think, move, smart move. I think <laughs> arguably one of the more powerful cards would be the seven, which allowed you to make seven individual moves distributed among all your pieces. So that mm-hmm. allowed you to go, oh, I want to go exactly three yeah. pieces, uh, sorry, yes. I want to go exactly three spaces into my home and move this other guy two spaces. Yeah, super helpful. 
Yeah, Evan, it gives you a chance to punk multiple people in the same turn. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, explorers, it's time to dig up or bury talk. Ed? It's not a game I dig up, but it is one of the more interesting Ludo games I've played. Working with a hand of cards is fun compared to just rolling a die and moving. Mike? I'm not a fan of Ludo games, mostly due to their just built-in inherent flaws. But with a little house rules tweaking, this could be among the best of them. As it stands, I have to bury it, but if you like Ludo, go for it. Evan? The limited strategy did not limit my enjoyment of the game. Watching my opponent struggle... Am I supposed to feel shame that I found that funny? (laughs) Well, the laughter factor put this one in the dig it up column for me. Uh, I love the implementation of the cards. I'm digging it up. Yeah. Evan, where can you find this game? Anywhere that's cool. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) We found some talk sets online. You can buy them for the home. They range anywhere from $20 to $50 and up. And of course, Board Game Arena has it. Totally free at Board Game Arena. Go aggravate your friends right now. Try it out. (laughs) It's fun just for the aggravation. (laughs) If you have thoughts about talk, let us know. We are at Which Game First on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And that brings us to the end of our show. We look forward to hearing about all the game exploring you're doing right now from your home. If you'd like more of us, just go to our website and click on Become a Supporter today and you will get access to our patron-only podcast, Points. If you get a chance, please leave us a like, a rating, a review, a shout-out, a heart. Join our chat on our Discord server. We're at Which Game First and we're on there more often now. Uh, now we are at which game first? Uh, blah blah blah. Happy gaming, explorers! <laughs> <laughs> Let's keep that in. <laughs>